Good morning, everyone. We're glad that you are with us, if, whether you're here in person or you're with us online. It's a chance to worship God. It's a chance to connect with God. And really, that's what this series is about, Check Your Connection. It's about having a connection relationship with God. And ultimately, that's really what prayer is. Now, we were motivated to start a series, tackle a series on prayer, because when we found out that the most Googled question religious question is, how do I pray? It just kind of made us think, you know, like if, if that's the question that the world is asking, at least in terms of faith and religion, amongst many others, then we need to make sure that we don't just assume that everybody grew up the way that I grew up in church with prayer being modeled. Not only that, I know that a lot of people, one of their greatest fears, for example, in being in a small group or here at Messiah in one of our community groups is when it is a chance for somebody to pray, and it's like, you don't feel like you've got the language of prayer. I even have a friend who's a pastor who admitted in one of his first classes at seminary when he was studying to be a pastor, one of his greatest fears is that his professor would call on him to begin the day in prayer in a class. A, a future pastor even admitted that. And so I think what we need to do is we need to refocus on what prayer is, and the best way to do that, and we will do this each week during this series, is to return to how Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. But rather than me read the Scripture to, to you, I want us to pray the Scripture out loud, because that's how Jesus intended it. And this comes from Matthew chapter 6. This is the Lord's Prayer. And just a little side note, you'll notice at the end we have a little asterisk. The way that we finish the prayer historically in the church isn't actually there in Matthew 6. So it's a way of closing the prayer. It's a way of putting the amen on the prayer. But when Jesus actually teaches his disciples how to pray and the other people that are there at the Sermon on the Mount, that little part's not in there. So we put an asterisk there uh, at the end of the prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There's just some scriptures that you can't read, you have to pray them. There's some scriptures you can't just read, you have to sing them. And that's why we have a beautiful section in the middle of the Old Testament, the Psalms, because they're meant to be sung. And, and that's my encouragement to you. If you're reading in scripture and you come across a prayer in scripture, uh, 
lift it to God. Lift it to God. That's, how, that's why Paul did that in his writings. That's why Matthew includes that here in his gospel. Now, when, if you're here at church today or if you're online and you want to contact us here in the church office, we have a special gift for you as you leave church today. It's Pastor Chuck's first published book. You can find it on Amazon for your friends. But if you're here with us or you're worshiping with us online, it's your gift today for free. That's for those of us who don't have the words to pray, but we want to make sure that we're starting our day, good morning, and that we're ending our day and good night, Lord. These are daily prayers when you rise and when you rest. And so this is a gift to you. Grab one on your way out. Again, we're just so glad that you're here with us. So throughout this series, we're going to be focusing on the Lord's Prayer, but what I want to do this morning is focus on a couple verses that are before the Lord's Prayer. Because before Jesus is willing to teach his disciples how to pray, he first wants to teach them how not to pray. And specifically, this verse in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't keep on babbling like pagans. See, Jesus thinks, maybe some of you think, Maybe I think that some people's prayers sound a little too much like babbling, like stammering words. The Greek word here for babbling is the word polylegia, polylegia, words that go on and on, polylegia, which kind of rhymes with diarrhea. Diary of the mouth. And you'd be surprised how many Bible commentators mention this in their commentaries. They mention that it just kind of comes across that way. It's precisely what the word means. It's diary of the mouth. When you pray, don't babble like pagans, Jesus says. Don't pray with just so many words. Now, when Jesus says, don't pray like the pagans, there's an assumption here that the people listening to him would know what he's talking about, as if they've heard those kinds of prayers before. Now, here are some, some examples of religions that existed in that area around or near the Near East where Jesus is teaching. For example, the first prayer is an Egyptian prayer to Amun-Ra. And I want to share just a little bit of that prayer with you. Like most Egyptians, Amun-Ra is associated with the sun. This is how the prayer goes. Hail to thee, Amun-Ra, Lord of the thrones of the earth, the oldest existence, ancient of heaven, support of all things, chief of the gods, Lord of truth, father of the gods, maker of men and beasts and herbs. <laughs> I like that. The god of oregano. <laughs> the, the, the god of the herbs. Now, we know God created all things, but it's a funny thing to pray. The god of basil and cilantro. And that's just the opening. The prayer goes on and on and on. How many words do you have to say before Amun-Ra says, oh, I guess she's talking to me. Maybe I should pay attention. On and on and on. Is that what it takes to get God's attention? Second prayer. This is a prayer to the Akkadian moon god. The Akkadian moon god. It starts this way. Father Nana, Lord of Anshur, hero of the gods, 
Father Nana, Great Lord Anu, Hero of the Gods. And then it continues on and on and on with Hero of the Gods stuff for a while. Like you have to say that over and over and over again so you impress him. Father Nana, who solemnly advances in garments of princeliness, Hero of the Gods. Make sure to compliment his wardrobe. Make sure to talk about this God's clothes, and then he'll listen. And then the prayer continues. You ferocious bull whose horn is thick, whose legs are perfected. Father Anana is like, hey, hurry along in the prayer. Get to the thick horn part. I love that part. That impresses me. It gets me to listen. Uh, there would be a standard way. This is a standard way of addressing the gods. Send much flattery to the gods so that they listen to you and hopefully with enough flattery, the gods will give you the answer you want. How many times do you have to pray to Father Nanana before he talks back to you and gives you the answer you need? And how often do you have to mention his perfect calves? It's a question in religion that goes back to the very beginning. And it's all about how you think of God. Is God a good creator who loves you? And wants the best for you? Or is God just a spiritual being that you have to impress or entice to give you what you want? Remember Elijah. This is kind of the last prayer example I want to give you. This one comes from Scripture. Elijah is squared off with the prophets of Baal. There's 450 prophets of Baal and just Elijah who stands up for God. And he observes as they try to get their sacrifice lighted by their God. First off, they prayed and prayed and prayed from morning till noon, six hours of prayer, but no answer. And so then they started shouting the prayers. Maybe he's sleeping. Step three, they started dancing because he's not listening. And then they offered a sacrifice. Step five, they started to cut themselves. Maybe the blood would make him answer us. And then finally, the next option would be the sacrifice of a child. I think there's a wound deep, deep in humanity, a religious wound, a spiritual wound, a, a fear, an anxiety, uh, a primal question. Are the gods listening? Number one. And number two, are the gods angry? Do the gods care? Is someone on a cloud somewhere ticked at me? I have to shout, hurt myself, dance, talk about their thick horn to get their attention? Is that how it works? Is, it, is this a wound that was only back then, by the way? Not at all. Not at all. I think it exists in a lot of people. The question is still asked, is God listening? Is God angry with me? You can even find it in Christian communities that struggle and struggle with this. And so the first thing I want to make sure to teach you and that you see at the very beginning of the series is this. Prayer is not a magic formula. Prayer is not a magic formula. It's not like a magic spell. You have to get the words exactly right or God won't listen. Prayer is not a magic formula. It's not how it works. 
Prayer is connecting. It's putting the relationship between you and God. It's all about communication. When you pray to God, I hope it's because you trust God, not because you're trying to entice God or impress God. But you pray to God because you want to connect to God. Prayer is not a magic formula. And so Jesus says, when you pray, and the first line he says is, you pray this, our Father who art in heaven. This God is a father. Fathers should give you what you need. Fathers should give you grace and love and forgiveness. Just, just say, Dad, I need you. That's how Jesus opens this prayer. This is a God like a good father who's always listening. You don't have to talk about herbs or how nice his calves are. This God is always listening. This God already loves you. This God is already your father. It's an absolutely new idea in human history. It's a unique one. It's a whole different concept, idea of who God is. And it's the right one. Instead of it being something that you do every day like eating, sometimes it seems like prayer has become like a glass box that you break in case of emergency. And it's not supposed to be that way. Prayer, for a lot of us, is more like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Car. We, 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 only, we only pray to God when we need something. But what if we thought of prayer more like maintenance, like maintenance for your car, like checking the brakes to make sure it's safe? Pray for your life when things are good. Then you don't have to worry so much about the airbags when the car is about to crash. Prayer as maintenance, as opposed to only using prayer as a get-out-of-jail-free card. I read a story the other day about a, an airplane pilot having trouble. He was flying his little airplane, so he called the control tower, and he said, Pilot to tower, I'm 300 miles from the airport. I'm 600 feet above the ground, and I'm completely out of fuel. I'm descending rapidly. Please advise. And the tower called back, tower to pilot, repeat after me, our Father who art in heaven. So often it's only when the plane's going down that we have checked our connection with God. No, we need to do it on the front end too. So here's the Lord's Prayer model. I'm going to start with a formal prayer, and then I want to talk about informal prayer. And finally, I want to finish today by looking at a meditative type of prayer. And, th and that's how I want to close up. So first, the Lord's Prayer as kind of a model of prayer. It's not the only model of prayer in Scripture, but it's the, the model that Jesus gives us. And so even when you don't pray the words word for word from the Lord's Prayer, you can structure your prayer this way. It begins by honoring God. You know, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy, God. So we start by honoring God and who God is. Not necessarily with many words like the babbling of pagans. You don't have to talk about herbs or calf muscles. And then you focus on his will. Before you ask for anything, what you know you really need is his will. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will to be done in your life. 
before you even pray for your needs, when you focus on his will, you are saying that his will is better for me than my will. And so we always focus on God's will. Yes, you ask for your needs, maybe even your wants, give us our daily bread. It's also a chance to confess your sins. Jesus in this prayer is teaching us to ask God to forgive us for our trespasses. Make sure you confess when you pray. And then at the very end, deliver us from evil. There's a place where God deeply wants us to know that he wants to deliver us. He wants to protect us. He wants to take care of us. And so it's how Jesus finishes the prayer. Now, there's also a lot of scripture about informal prayer. And so this is a formal model, but if you look at an informal model, we can turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Well, how do I pray without ceasing? I'd never open my eyes. I'd never get off my knees. My, my hands would always be folded. No, 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 no. When you pray without ceasing, you're living a life of prayer. You're praying all the time, in and out of everything, in every conversation, before the meal, after the meal, but also even during the meal, as you're enjoying the meal, you're giving thanks to God. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Have you ever met somebody that is really thankful to be alive? That's really thankful for the little things? Those kinds of people are infectious. And if you're one of those people who struggles sometimes to be thankful for the things you have, let me remind you, you are blessed. And so it's important that we give thanks to God in all circumstances. And for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is how God's will gets done. Let's pray without ceasing. We can formally pray sometimes, maybe on our hands and knees, maybe with our eyes closed and our hands folded. But you can also just pray informally. See, one of our core values here at Messiah is faith and real life intersecting. We're not going to just talk about faith, and we're not going to just give you advice for life. We need to see our faith and our real life intersecting, which is what the cross is. The cross is God coming here with us to help us. It is God coming from somewhere else to be actually present in flesh and blood with us. Faith and real life need to intersect. If you're going to intersect, then you can't always plan to pray. Like sometimes you just need to pray right now. Like you're in your car. You don't have to kneel. You don't have to fold your hands. You don't have to close your eyes. Uh, it doesn't make the prayer better, and it's a terrible way to drive, by the way. No, no, sometimes you're in your car right where you are, and just pray for that other driver who you can tell is having a bad day and wants to spread that bad day to everybody else. Or pray for that person who's holding a sign on the corner. You might not get to talk to them. You might not want to talk to them. You can surely pray for them. And you can do that right there as you're driving with your eyes open. Just keep them on the road. Um, even when you don't have the words, just connect to God. You might be driving and a friend, their name just comes to your mind. You'd be surprised how often the Holy Spirit is prompting that. Think about them, but also pray 
for them. I think that's what's going on in Romans chapter 8. I love the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, what are the crown jewels of the New Testament? But here it's talking about prayer. Now in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know what to pray. For as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. You don't have the words to pray? Just start the process. The Spirit is there inside you and talking through you and interceding for you. Because there's a mystical spiritual power when we pray. There's more going on than just the words that you come up with. And again, it's not a magic formula anyways. Prayer is a chance to connect with God. It's not a spell where you have to get the words right. When we seek God in prayer, what does it say in Romans 8? The Spirit jumps into action. The Spirit jumps into action. It also has an interesting word there, the word groaning. The Spirit's groaning as if, Things are not the way they should be, and the Spirit is groaning for the world to change. The Jewish sages, they identified 10 different forms of prayer. And one of them is about groaning. It's called nakah. It's the Hebrew word for groan. This is a prayer with no sentences and no words. It's just a sigh from the depths of your soul. You just sit with it. You allow your belly to speak for you. You're just groaning because the world is not as it should be. And the Jewish sages said, out of all the ten forms of prayer, this is the purest form of prayer. The purest form of prayer. Because it's a prayer that just utterly wants to survive. This is the kind of prayer that was happening in concentration camps when the prisoners were not allowed to say things or to worship or to pray together. The Spirit took over and just groaned with them. That same sound is described as the shofar horn. That, that would be an animal's horn that was used like a trumpet. They said that the shofar horn, when it was played, sounded like the groaning prayer, the nakah prayer. A groaning prayer was so important to the Jewish people, it had its own liturgical instrument. Jesus was prone to groaning. He didn't whine, but he groaned. He groaned at the suffering of a mute deaf man just before healing him. And he knew he was going to heal him, but he groaned because of the man's suffering. He groaned when he came to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And again, he knew he was going to resurrect him. But he still groaned, and he had tears in his eyes because of the suffering for his family. What makes your soul groan? Pray that prayer. And if you don't have the words, just pray it from deep inside you. See, the key to prayer is to check your connection with God. It's not a formula. It's not a magic spell. It's connecting with your Heavenly Father. And that's why prayer is deeply, deeply connected with the gospel. When you see a God as a loving Father, it changes how you pray. Because it changes how you see God. When you see God as the one who sent his only Son 
to give his life for you, to save you, to give you the eternal gift of salvation. It changes how you pray. You're not trying to convince God of stuff that you want. You're just giving your life to God's will because you know this God is good. The same God that saves you is the same God that wants to save your life and to give you what you need and wants the best for you. See, most other religions, they are based on their teachings. Christianity is based on an event. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Christianity is not based on teachings primarily. Those teachings and Christianity are based on an empty tomb. A cross and a tomb for you and for me. Christianity rises and falls on the historicity of this one event. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If not, nothing else I say matters. If he did, then everything changes. And Christianity has stood the test of time, and the resurrection has stood the test of time. And when you root your faith in that event, that Jesus has forgiven your sins and has given you the free gift of eternal salvation, it changes how you see God, how you know God, and it will change how you talk to God. Which is why in Matthew 6, this is after the Lord's Prayer, in verse 33, Jesus has been teaching all day, but he he says this, this is why in your life you need to seek first God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Spiritual things, but also earthly things, the things you need, the things your family needs. When you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, when you say, I want your will to be done, God's not going to ignore the rest of your life because God is for you. He's for you. And that includes the prayers that are answered yes, And that includes the prayers that are answered no. And that includes the prayers that are answered maybe not yet. When you know that that God is for you, in each answer, you accept that a good God that saves you is also the one who can be trusted. I want to introduce you to a form of prayer. We talked about formal prayer, and we talked about informal prayer, but I want to introduce you to meditative prayer. This is for all of us that sometimes Hey, our intention is to pray, but it's hard to shut down our mind. It's hard to shut it down. There's so many things racing. You find yourself praying, but then you're unfocused. You're thinking about work. You're thinking about school. You're thinking about that date. Did it go well? And what we can use is sometimes we can use a meditative form of prayer. This one is an ancient, ancient one. It's called the Jesus prayer or the hesychasm prayer. We'll call it the Jesus prayer. And what it does is it helps us shut off the outside world, to quiet the outside world, and to focus our minds and our hearts on what God wants for us. And this is how we're going to pray it. We're going to pray out loud at first, and you repeat three times, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we'll say that together three times. And then we'll have a time of silence. And what I want you to do is just pick one thing to pray, silently. A person, a challenge, an event, a confession that you have, a thanksgiving that you have, or whatever it might be. And then finally, we'll come out of that again, and we'll pray again three times, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So think of a person, a challenge, 
in your life, an event that's going on in your life, just whatever it is, you pick it, but let's start by praying this together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen.